0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson. Up first in today's country comment, we'll be joined by the chief pilot at Pembina Air, Jim Peters. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Aerial applicators are gearing up for another busy year. Jim Peters is the chief pilot at Pemina Air.
1: The spring season has been delayed a little bit with our later spring seeding, and uh, so that's pushed us back a little bit.
0: When it comes to um, you know some of these windy days, does that impact uh, whether or not you guys can, can operate?
1: For sure, uh, Corey. We uh, can't fly in those kind of winds. For sure
0: not. Have you lost uh, quite a few days uh, because of winds this year?
1: Well, actually, we're just just getting started now, so the wind hasn't really affected us
0: yet. What are you going to be uh, spring, spring for here uh, coming up?
1: Well, right now we're into the leaf disease uh, on the wheat that we're trying to protect the flag leaf and keep it uh, disease-free. And uh, following that, we'll get into... Uh, anthesis timing, the flowering of the wheat uh, so we'll be doing an application there and canola will, will start. Any insect
0: uh, concerns that you're spraying for?
1: Um, we were
0: busy with flea beetles and some cutworms
1: but now it's kind of tapered off a little bit. Most guys are able to take care of it with their own units.
0: Just talking with uh, Manitoba Egg and they were mentioning uh, you know grasshoppers are starting to be a concern. Is that something you spray for as well? It
1: is. Um, We haven't had any uh, higher numbers to to, to give us the call to go out and take care of, but we do know that they're out there.
0: From what you're seeing up in the air, how how are the uh, crops looking?
1: Crops are looking great, and uh, I think everybody is going to be happy with what they see as long as uh, they can get it in the bin at the end of the year.
0: You were out in that southeast area about about a week or two ago. Have you been out there recently?
1: No, I haven't. but I hope things are drying up for those guys.
0: Yeah, I guess just a thought on on what you guys saw when you were up there.
1: Well, there was a lot of mayhem when it comes to water. There was more than anybody really wants to see, uh, especially farming. Um, Some fields were completely immersed in water. Um, So it's pretty pretty scary looking situations.
0: What are the benefits of uh, using an aerial applicator versus uh, say a ground uh, uh, unit?
1: I think it kind of goes without saying, I mean, the airplanes don't leave any tracks. And uh, so there's definitely an advantage to use an airplane because you're not losing anything due to trampling, right?
0: That was Jim Peters, chief pilot at Pembina Air, giving his thoughts on the upcoming season. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Bayer says it will pay up to $10.9 billion U.S. to settle outstanding Monsanto litigation over weed killer Roundup, which faces thousands of lawsuits over claims it causes cancer. The Roundup settlement involves about 125,000 filed and unfiled claims. Bayer is also resolving dicamba drift litigation for payment of up to $400 million and most PCB water litigation exposure for payment of approximately $820 million. Cereals Canada named its new board and executive committee this week. Alberta Wheat Commission Chair Todd Hames will take on the role of board chair for the newly formed organization. Hames says there's a number of issues for the group to address from the Canada Grain Act review to market access.
2: Because we know there's many countries and customers around the world that really want Canadian product. And we just would like to see that non-tariff trade barriers removed so the product can move freely.
0: The new organization was formed by the amalgamation of the former Cereals Canada Group and the Canadian International Grains Institute. The province released its weekly crop report on Tuesday. Here's oilseed specialist Dane Fraze.
1: Right now we've seen some good crop progress in the last week. However, herbicide applications have been delayed, as well as some crop growth by continual cool and, in some places, very wet weather. That said, as the rains have arrived, warmer temperatures are expected this coming week, so we do expect crop growth to resume.
0: Frey says grasshoppers are starting to become a concern. And early season storm activity has made it a busy start to hail season for adjusters. The Canadian Crop Hail Association says they are out checking about 200 hail claims across the prairies. President Rick Omolchenko says crop damage overall was fairly minimal given the plant's early stage of development.
3: There's a lot of farmers that haven't got their hail insurance yet, so we are pre-inspecting to see if they even, you know, are allowed to even take anything. Some are being denied and some are taking them because there's really no damage there. So we're accepting some of those. It's on a case-by-case basis, and some companies
2: don't accept, and some companies will.
0: He notes the majority of hail claims are from Alberta. Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation reported damage to fall rye, wheat, canola, soybeans, and sunflowers in the communities of Altona, Elkhorn, and Minnioda. Fall rye in Altona had some severe damage, while other crops had minor damage. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Knut. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Thursday, June 25th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll chat with Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture has released a statement on the recent deaths of three Mexican farm workers in Ontario from COVID-19. Here is CFA President Mary Robinson.
4: The hardest part of all of this is that three people have lost their lives and we know that uh, covid really doesn't um discriminate on on where people are from so uh we we lost three farm workers to covid in ontario and and that that's absolutely heartbreaking um we know that most farms are are going above and beyond to make sure that they're following protocols that, that keep people safe uh and we we want to make sure that that those people um you know kind of celebrated and encouraged to keep doing what they're doing. Um, We know uh, in general things have to be done better. Uh, Obviously if we're having this kind of outbreak then the protocols aren't aren't containing the situation. It's an incredibly difficult situation to contain as you can probably uh, guess. when you've got some people coming on and off farm either during work or or after hours, as people are allowed to to come and go, it's a free country. So there's there's a lot of uh, points that need to be monitored, and and uh, you know, hoping that everybody does their best to to uh, help reduce the spread of COVID. Everybody's got a role to play. So generally, CFA is is very supportive of making sure we get to the root of this issue and quickly remedy the situation uh, because no one is winning uh, with these with these outbreaks it's it's heartbreaking and we just we have to see it stop
0: and mary um your overall thoughts on on the temporary foreign worker program and and how things have been um i guess operating during during the pandemic here
4: well i think it's difficult to speak in broad terms there's so many variabilities within the a temporary foreign worker and you know with our with our ag stream uh, with stop and with temporary foreign workers and I, I know i i can speak with great confidence and, and knowledge as to what goes on um in farms that i know who use temporary foreign workers and uh i asked one of my friends i said are you proud of how you treat he is mexican workers i said are you proud of how you treat your workers and he said well i treat my foreign workers the same way I treat my son. I I kind of teased him and said, we probably should treat them better than that. (laughs) But I think uh, most uh, Canadian farmers who use the temporary foreign worker program see the value in it and see that uh, they have to make investments in these people. We see people come back year over year. I I have a friend who's got uh, three generations of one family. So a, a father came and he brought his children and his children brought their children because it was such a great opportunity for them. So I think uh, we definitely have come to rely on foreign workers. they're skilled, uh, trained and highly effective workers. they're efficient and they get the job done very well. And I think all of Canada has come to rely on them. We certainly have a growing gap in labor and agriculture that overall we need we'll need to have a, a strategic approach you know and over a whole of government look at how we're going to, uh, tackle the issue of the growing gap of, of vacancies that we see continue growing on on farm and in agriculture in general.
0: And we saw here this week, um, you know, Mexico has agreed to to keep sending workers to to these farms. Um, I guess, just your thoughts on on the importance of of Mexican workers and um, you know what the agreement will will mean here.
4: I have continually said that I'm I'm very appreciative for foreign workers who have the confidence in us to come here. I, I know in Eastern Canada, we have for, for decades seen um, people from Atlantic Canada travel to Alberta to work because that's where the opportunities existed when we, we couldn't access high paying jobs here. Uh, and when the oil fields were booming, we saw a lot of Atlantic Canadians traveling to see that opportunity. And those were less than ideal conditions for families and those workers who were away. So when we look at Mexicans coming here, I, I have the same kind of respect and appreciation for them. These are people that are doing work that's not only important and an opportunity for them, but it's something that we rely on. So we need to find a way to make this work. We need to keep all workers on farm safe, regardless of where they've come from. It doesn't matter. We uh, And I think uh, a lot of uh, people in agriculture probably... Um, Treat their farm workers even a little extra special, recognizing the specific sacrifices they're making to be here.
0: Some groups have been um, asking for things like uh, having workers tested. You know, or measures like that? Do you think that's that's necessary? Or
4: I think in areas where there's a great deal of pressure due to COVID, like what we're seeing in, say, Leamington or or um, in Windsor Essex in Ontario. Areas like that, I think uh, testing is, is a great idea. And, and it's, it's all workers. You know, we, we have to be very careful here and recognize that COVID doesn't uh, differentiate between if you're Mexican or you're Canadian or you're Guatemalan or wherever you're from. So it's important that anyone working within a farm be tested so that we know where the problems are and that we, we deal with that as it needs to be dealt with. So yes, we're encouraging everyone uh, where, If they're in an area where, where um, public health is promoting the concept of, of having workers tested, we're asking all farmers, all employers to make sure that they facilitate that and make it as easy as possible for workers who, who agree to be tested to be tested.
0: That was Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson. That's it for the Prairie Ag Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen-Wassler, I'm Corey Knut. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Ag Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars take place every Tuesday night starting at 7 o'clock. You can email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. It's endorsed by the Province and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. Keystone Egg Producers is hosting a webinar on recognizing and responding to people at risk for suicide. That will take place tomorrow starting at noon You can register on the CAP website. And on July 7th, CAP is hosting a webinar on emerging trends in egg and food. Again, register on the CAP website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, hail last weekend devastated Friedensfeld Honey and Berry Farm southeast of Steinbach. Golden West reporter Shannon Duick spoke with owner Andy Lowen.
2: Andy, obviously a a very severe hailstorm ripped through southeastern Manitoba on Saturday and I'll just ask, uh, for starters, uh, what did that storm do to your berry farm?
3: Yeah, well, quite a bit of, uh, for us here at Friedensfeld Honey and Berry Farm, it, uh, it was definitely a bit of a devastating moment there when uh, I was just driving in the direction of the farm there because we don't live on that yard, and hoping and praying that, uh, that that hail would miss us. And about a half a mile before the farm, that's where we started getting hail. And that uh, came down and kind of... Uh, weren't big pieces like not huge but it was coming down so thick and strawberry plants are like the foliage is very it's not like a tough plant so uh, yeah they got battered uh, the blossoms got knocked off and uh, the leaves completely knocked off the plants. it looks like gone over there with a lawnmower on about uh, yeah i'd say about 20 acres or so that have been sheared off like that and then we've got about another it could be 10 to 15 i got a measure that area there exactly and see, but uh, that we'll be able to salvage some. It'll set us back a bit because whatever was blooming or had fruit set is damaged, and now whatever was still not blooming is coming out right now, so that'll take us, you know, a couple of weeks till that turns into berries. So yeah, it was a pretty devastating moment. I've never been doing this for about 15 years, and I've actually never had uh, hail damage before.
2: Wow. What what size would you say the hail was? I know we've heard reports around Steinbeck of, uh, of, and seen pictures as well of, of loony-size hail. What size would you say it was there at Friedensfeld?
3: Um, okay, it's, they were kind of jagged pieces, is what I had on I, uh, my yard there. And they were kind of, um, I would say they weren't maybe quite a loony-size, maybe, maybe almost more like a dime-size, but then round and then jagged. So it's just enough to... To do a lot of damage on a strawberry plant.
2: Yeah, Andy, talk a bit about the farm. How many how many acres worth of berries do you have there?
3: Uh, we have uh, in total there. We have about forty acres of strawberries, and with our new plantings and everything, I think we were you know in the forty-five, almost fifty range there right now.
2: You have berries that are at kind of all different stages of their life cycle, right?
3: That's correct. Yeah, we've got uh, a bunch that we planted again this spring there. We did about, uh, I think this spring, we did about eight acres. We did a bunch of June bearings, and then we actually are trying to, we did quite a bit of uh, ever bearings. as a new variety that we're trying to get a little bit of later production in the year that'll uh, produce right up till freeze up there. So, yeah, those all got, they got hit pretty hard them back as well but we're hoping that those again there will maybe offer us some pre-picked berries to be available you know starting maybe around the middle of august or so
2: how close were you to the start of picking season
3: i'd say on our first plants there we were only about uh 10 days away from picking on our first ones there late this year we had a we had a really cold uh spring here to start off with and then we had a couple of late frost there that uh, set us back but we were doing frost protection and stuff so we actually managed to escape uh, too much damage on the frost there we did uh, everything we could to sprinkle and cover we have huge blankets that we spread over our fields there and uh, and we did uh, quite a few acres we covered like that and uh, so we we did a bunch of stuff like that but then the hail uh, took and set us back a whole notch more there
0: that was Andy Lowen, the owner of Friedensfeld Honey and Berry Farm. He was chatting with reporter Shannon Duick about the hail that hit over the past weekend. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Canada's main beef packing plants are returning to normal operations after COVID-19 outbreaks in the spring. But they're still facing a glut of hungry cattle to be processed. Hardest hit were the Cargill plant at High River, which shut down for two full weeks before reopening to reduce capacity, and the JBS Canada plant at Brooks, which operated with just a single shift a day for a full month. Dennis Laycraft with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association says it's welcome news, but notes it will take months to reduce a backlog of about 130,000 cattle caused by the pandemic closures and slowdowns. Winter cereals are progressing quickly. Dane Fraze is with Manitoba Agriculture.
1: Fall rye is now finished flowering and is starting to fill up the head for the most part. Winter wheat is emerging into the boot stage and is just about to start flowering as the fusarium risk starts to increase. Fusarium risk increases when we have warm, humid days and wet canopies that stay humid well into the afternoon, as well as in conjunction with southerly winds.
0: Fusarium risk maps are available on the Manitoba Agriculture website. Todd Hames, chair of the Alberta Wheat Commission, was selected as chair for the new Cereals Canada organization. The group was formed with the amalgamation of the former Cereals Canada group and the Canadian International Grains Institute. Hames sees Siggy's role of working with international customers continuing.
2: We're looking forward to continuing that process. I mean, obviously this year with COVID, we're, we're seeing some changes that we're- we're going to have to reformat some of those exchanges with our international customers due to the travel restriction and get into some more online technical ways of communicating with our um, customers.
0: He notes the process is underway to find a president and CEO for the new organization and to combine staff into one location. And two alumni of the University of Manitoba's Faculty of Agricultural and Food Sciences have been honoured for their contributions to Manitoba's agricultural community. Joanne Booth and Marcel Hacko are this year's recipients of the Certificate of Merit in recognition of their leadership with agricultural organizations and outstanding service to the community at large. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, the presentation will be made at the 2021 School of Agriculture Convocation. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, the desk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.